Hello everyone, Mark here from Behind the Human. I'm your host and it's my job to unpack the stories and mental fitness practices of people living at the top of their game personally and professionally. Today's episode is a bit of a different format or a unique setup. It was actually a joint recording between myself and Kathy from the Compassion Lab podcast. We had a blast just riffing back and forth, all things mental fitness, leadership, consciousness, presence, and of course, wonderful reflective prompts. So for new listeners of the show, there's definitely some background on my journey and how I got to this place and so forth. But even for longtime listeners, I don't think you'll be disappointed with some of the awesome prompts that came up and practices. So without further ado, I'll give you a little bit of a background on Kathy and then jump right into the episode. So Kathy has spent the last 33 years at the Coca-Cola company in multiple leadership positions. Currently, she's the Senior Vice President of Customer Excellence. She launched the Coca-Cola Compassion Lab as a way to promote emotional agility and mental well-being in the workplace. She hosts the Compassion Lab podcast to explore the power of conscious leadership and the interconnectivity of all things. Enjoy this one. I had a blast recording it and be well. All right, Mark, I am so excited for what we're going to do today. And I, I, I want to set the stage and I know you're going to add to this, but we are innovating in the podcast space. I don't know. Maybe we're not. Maybe other people have, have been doing this and I haven't heard it, but we met a little while ago which was a true gift to me because I do feel like you are a kindred spirit and there's so much that we share in our life passions and what we're trying to do in the world. And so we got to talking about being podcast guests. I'm like, oh, you should come on the Compassion Lab. And you're like, yeah, let's. And and then we said, well, let's just do an all-in-one podcast jam conversation. <laughs> and have one conversation and see what happens. So I love this experimentation that we're doing. And I will tell everyone who's listening, we have no idea what's actually going to happen because we've got, we're dancing together and we're both used to when do we lead and when do we follow? And we're just going to let it happen and learn and play through the process. So I'm going to pass it back to you. That's, that's how I want to launch our conversation. I love it. I love it. Well, I think we're, we're I mean, we, we can already tell just even in the you know, the back and forth before we hit re record that we could probably go for hours just <laughs> kind of riffing off each other's comments and whatnot. And and we, I think we both felt that in the first conversation. So, mm -hmm. yeah. And it's just like, for me, as you, as you know, from the, from the book, it, you know, it's, I'm just trying to be present as much as possible and learn from, you know, the people that are in the book or, or people that I've interviewed. You mentioned Cal Fussman at one point, and we can talk about that later, but just the idea of, you know, doing preparation for, for whether it's this podcast or anything in life, and then just coming in fully present and letting the magic, you know, take over. So I'm excited to see just as much as you see what happens. <laughs> what, what comes up for us, because this idea of presence for both of us working in kind of the space of what I would call, you know, mindfulness is really overused a lot, but yeah. raising levels of consciousness, awareness, some people call it like human flourishing. How do we be our best and highest selves? So we work in this space. And when you talk to a lot of people and we've both interviewed a lot of different people, there are nuances to how the individuals 
come into that space, but there are themes that are always there. And I would say the number one common theme for everyone I've ever spoken with is this idea of presence and you feel it. You feel it when someone's with you versus in their head. And I'll have to tell you from podcasting, you want to do diligence. And I'm sure you can relate to this with all right, what questions I'm going to ask? I've done my homework and, oh, this was an amazing thing this person did. I want to make sure to bring this up. Yet if you're too in your head, then you're not actually in the conversation. For sure. And it's a real art. How do you how do you do that? Well, I, I, I felt it on the other side of, you know, especially during all the book launch, you know, there was a lot of podcasts, right? And you know, I'm grateful for every interview, but you can, you start to see the differences and you can see the different levels. Uh, I guess you could chalk it up as experience as, as a host, but I could feel when it was just like a rapid fire of questions mm-hmm. and the next one that, you, you know, would come up essentially, I kind of already answered that, you know, four or five questions ago, but it's in a different way. So it kind of threw off the pace of the questioning and it's just, you know, it's not an enjoyable experience. And I think people on the other side can, can, can hear that and feel that. And for me, I chalk it up to, um, if you're at a conference, you know, or in a meeting, we've all had this where someone's like looking over your shoulder for the Mm -hmm. next conversation. Yes, It doesn't feel good. Right. And I, you know, you're kind of, I feel like you're not only robbing the, the person on the other side of, of, of your presence and being there and holding space for them, but then also, you know, like your experience, right. Yeah. Yeah. Of just, just being there and seeing, seeing what happens. That's and, the fun stuff. And, and Mark, isn't there a level of like trust in life and trust in what will emerge? And there is, you know, when you think of like athletes, so they practice and they train and they prepare. So this is not, this isn't just fly by the seat of your pants through life. This is, this is, you have a discipline and you have your practices, but then when the the day comes for them to take the stage or, or go out and perform or do then, then they just let it all the preparation they've spent their entire life just flows, you know, into that moment. And that's well, that, where that yeah. magic is, right? Well, and that's where the training is. And and I often talk about athletes as well, because people can relate to, you know, m- many people are aware of, of athletes visualizing, you know, or mentally rehearsing their downhill ski run or w- whatever their event is. Um, but when it comes to just the biggest event or biggest race of, of them all, life, let's just say, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of us don't do that, right? So if you, you know, you, you do the prep and because it, it's not, just for everyone listening, it's not that like you and I just showed up, hit record and didn't do anything beforehand, right? Like we've, right. we've done some work and we, we, <laughs> we have some general ideas of, of topics to discuss. But the, the difference is I think we're both, and I learned this from Cal Fussman, we're trusting our minds to surface the next question or surface mm-hmm. the next topic based on where the conversation is going. Right. And I think that's, that's the big one that what for me at least that was the big unlock and it it comes back to yourself on on trusting that yeah your your mind is smart enough to do that mm-hmm. like we've we're we're intelligent human beings we've all done a lot of great things that we can celebrate you know it's just a matter of of letting go and 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 
let the mind do its thing, right? Mm-hmm. And trusting your skill. And so, see, this is what's going to happen with us. We already like dove in to the details, <laughs> but I want to I want to set the stage a little bit, even though before my podcast, as you know, I share your bio. So people yeah. will be, have some grounding on who you are, but the bio is a bio, but the story is different. The story is the lived experience of kind of how you got to be where you are. And we talked before hitting record that we both have this passion for curation, curation of mm-hmm. knowledge, because there's so much out there. I Sometimes I can't believe like I've lived, you know, so many years on this earth and you have read so many things and then you like, there's more that I don't even know. So would you do me a favor and, and set the stage a little bit on kind of what brought you to where you are now? Sure. Well, and before that, the, just to add to your comment, cause I feel the same thing. The other realization for me was that, and there's more and that none of this stuff is new. I mean, if, you, <laughs> if you go back to, you know, I, other than, you know, science and, and then, you know, a lot of uh, advancements there, but a lot of like, at least the stuff I'm talking about when it comes to reflection or journaling or meditation, breath work. I mean, this stuff has been around since the beginning of time. It's just, I think it's taking that, that knowledge and then applying it in a way that, that makes sense for, for you right now. Right. So yeah, yeah. it's a bit of a segue into how at least I got started in, in this work and it was kind of, I want to say almost by accident, but but I I, I guess not because I, I was intentional in starting. What the accident was was I had no intention or no desire to ever be doing this kind of work full time. I was using it for uh, what I needed in in the moment. So the story is is basically I started in the in the pharmaceutical world and healthcare space uh, straight out of university in sales. And in those times, they, it, the, the way the hiring was done is people were usually hired. And I'm sure you've lived through several of these rounds. Like people were hired in batches almost, yes. right? Yes, I was right? hired in a batch too. Yes, Exactly. So and then <laughs> for people. me, I was just out of, of Toronto, Canada, living just outside of Toronto, Canada. And, and they, they flew us all to Montreal, which is where the Canadian office was. And we're there for like four weeks. I mean, yeah. <laughs> that's like unheard of now. Yeah. Uh, four weeks straight. And I just remember thinking, because for the most part, either in, in that role, at least, you, you were either coming with a background in, in business, which was my education, or you were coming with a background like uh, in, in science of some sort. And then you were trained up based on, you know, where uh, you need to fill the gaps. But I, I just remember thinking, well, if we're all going through the same, essentially the same training, and this is a sales role how possibly am I going to stand out from the pack if we're all doing the same thing? And for Kathy, this is the only part I don't really understand why this intuitively came up. But for whatever reason, the idea came up to just get up 10 or 15 minutes earlier in the morning and consume positive content. And that's where the learning just started. And and, Mm -hmm. in those days, obviously, uh, I wish there was podcasts, but it was blog posts and magazines and books and, and whatnot. And it really, it did not take very long to realize that it didn't matter who I was studying or who was being profiled, they were all asking very powerful questions. Mm -hmm. And what I would do is I'd grab those questions, I'd write them down and either journal on them or reflect them on on them in the spot, or I'd write them down for the next morning 
essentially. And, th- and that's, you know, I almost would wake up excited for the, for the next day because I'm like, I have that big question that I know is going to unlock some really good insight and thought, whether it was personally or professionally. And just did that for, for years, essentially for, for a good decade uh, until eventually, <clears throat> excuse me, getting, uh, getting to the point of being frustrated with the journaling options on a digital front that were available at the time in the marketplace. And that was kind of the launch into what I alluded to earlier is that now I'm in this space of what I call mental fitness. Uh, But it was essentially after a decade of practice and just Mm -hmm. living and feeling how useful this stuff was for before presentation or, you know, contemplating yeah, moved to the U.S. I remember at one point I was so close to moving to San Francisco, like the movers were calling, like it was wow. that close. Wow. And long story short, I mean, we, we, the, 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 the company, we just weren't able to get the visas. And I just remember thinking uh, in that moment, just because it, it proves the point of the mental fitness, I was in Boston when I got that news and the whole, uh, I was a brand manager at that time, and the whole team was there and it was like a kind of a motivating meeting type thing. Like, here's the strategy. Let's go. Oh yeah. I'm in my hotel room and I'm essentially mentally checked out of that company <laughs> about to move. Right. right? They're, we're, they're like, they're assessing how much stuff we have to move from Canada to the U S <laughs> and I get the call that's not going to happen. Yeah. And in 20 minutes I have to go stand in front of the team and, and, you know, be on my A game. Mm-hmm. And I just remember again, it was, a, it was at a Hyatt, had the little Hyatt, you know, notepad on the table, and I just wrote out how I was feeling and then ripped the page up and just was able to reset. And that was just, that was from years of the practice. The practice. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny, Mark, I, you have to be a believer first. And mm-hmm. I don't know about you, but when we started launching Compassion Lab within Coke, you would have different reactions. Well, some people would show up very enthusiastic, you know, very open. And then other folks would be like, oh, what is this? You know, it kind of gets into that. It gets into a space of discomfort because sure. especially in the business domain, because listen, we all want to show up looking like we got it all together confident and figured out because, oh my goodness, what if someone knew that you had self-doubt? What if someone knew that you, you really didn't totally know what you're doing, Uh, Mm -hmm. but that's everybody's experience. And as people have gone through the journey, you occasionally I've gotten the comments like, well, at first I was like, what is this woo woo thing? You know, what is this warm fuzzy thing? <laughs> Kathy's lost it. Like, yeah, what's she doing? <laughs> but then I've had people go like, I get it. Cause I, once I tried some of the practices, they've really, they've really helped me. And I often tell people this isn't the light, warm, fuzzy journey. It's the hardest work you'll ever do to to become awake to all parts of yourself, to accept them, to embrace them, to work with them because, Hey, we're, we're in school to learn. And if we don't have something to work with, what is there? Right. So to me, that's the, it's the highest work to do, but it's definitely been as, as, these practices have hit mainstream more and more. Everyone has their own 
perceptions of what they are. And so the fact that you lived it and were like, Hey, I know, I know this works. And I think it's so interesting. Like, why did you decide, let me do this, take this content in for that extra 10 to 15 minutes, which, you know, like in Kaizen, you just take little steps, right? That practice is just little baby steps. You didn't say I'm going to wake up an hour earlier and run a marathon. You just said, I'm going to take this little bit of time. And it added up to such powerful stuff. Like, isn't that amazing? Why did you do that? And everyone else is hitting the snooze button three times. Well, that's the, I wish I knew the answer to that question because it, it really is, it's such a defining moment in my life. And the, the only thing I can think of is I, I remember I have an uncle that lives in, in, in the Toronto area and I grew up in a really small town, probably about four hours outside of the city. And I used to visit I used to visit my aunt and uncle and my aunt was a, a, an executive over at Sharp Electronics and they're like, they were in the city life, right? Yeah. So they would take me and cause I'd go in the summer and they would take me into the office and I would see this whole other world, which 100% uh, sparked my curiosity to, to take uh, business in university. Um, but the other thing is that my uncle always got up early and he would have coffee and like he would bring me and I was a kid so he probably you know would buy a hot chocolate or something but he always asked me questions like have you called your grandmother lately you know what's going on in your life what are mm -hmm. you excited about and it was always these these questions at a you know godly hour of the morning at least for <laughs> like a young, too early to a young kid but he was like <laughs> ready to go and I that's the only thing I can draw that that jump to myself because I I, I would see that that behavior and how mm. motivated he was to start the day in a way like that. And then, you know, when I wasn't there, he would be meeting, I think, with friends for, for coffee. It's like the pre-day, essentially. And that's what I call all these practices. Like, what's your pre-day routine? Yeah. You know, whether it's 10 minutes or an hour. Um, but th those minutes set up the whole day and dictate the next, you know, 23 hours, essentially, including how well you are sleeping or not. So, so I think that's where, where it came from. And regardless, I am just so grateful that, that, that decision was made because it's really launched into the work that I, I feel really passionate about and, uh, I couldn't have predicted the path. Right. Mm -hmm. So, but enough about me. I mean, I, I definitely, <laughs> I need to intro you for, for the listeners of behind the human because especially after your last, uh, your last thoughts, I think is a perfect moment to ask just, you know, if you put the job titles aside and your work for the last 33 years at the same company, which is unbelievable. I mean, it's almost unheard of these days. It is. Congratu congratulations. <laughs> I just want to know who you are. You know, who is Kathy? Yeah. Yeah. Isn't, the, isn't that the million dollar question that in certainly so many of our spiritual practices, you ask that question, who am I? Because there's the ego side of who we are, and then there's the essence of who we are. And it's funny, Mark, it, every, the reason I always ask about people's origin stories in, in my podcast episodes is because there's all these clues to the emergence and the becoming of who we are by what happens. Just like when you were asked those early morning questions as a kid, and that translated into that, you know, for me, it was really always being an observer. I always felt mm. like I was watching, 
and trying to make sense of things, even as a kid, like asking okay. questions too, which is probably why I feel so kindred to you. Yeah. And it's interesting. I I grew up in a really like beautiful, wonderful middle-class experience in the South and from Florida originally and really loving, amazing family. But really what I would say was a, um, I want to call it paint by numbers, right? You go to go to school, you know, and, and join the dance team and do this and, you know, all the things you're supposed to do in life. Mm -hmm. And I hit 29 years old and I got really sick and almost didn't make it like on the edge of exiting the planet at 29. And there, that's a whole long story that I won't sure. go into the details because it's really what that, that catalyzed after that experience. And I'd already started working for Coke at the time. And the company was incredibly supportive, incredibly like whatever I needed. I mean, the people at the Coca-Cola company are the, some of the most beautiful, wonderful people I've ever encountered. They're amazing. But after that, I started really diving deep into questions of why did this happen? What was I not paying attention to? Um, how do I, you know, prevent it from happening again? And I started reading about mind body. And so these things that lead us onto a path we never planned. And at that point, I'm like, I'm going to leave corporate America and I'm going to go, you know, become a meditation teacher, a yoga teacher, do this. And then I soon learned that it's not about going just into those domains, but how do you bring that conscious awareness into anything that you do? You know, Love which it. for me has been bring it in, bringing it into the way that I lead. And so the people on my team know that their ability to thrive as humans, to take care of themselves, to understand how to manage their energy, how to be their highest is job one. And so it's become a hallmark of my passion for leadership is how do we do this? Which, you know, here we are two people who've lived, you in Canada, me in Florida, very, certainly very different climates, very <laughs> different parts <laughs> of the world. And here we are in 2022, having a conversation about how we both found our way into mental fitness, and understanding that these practices are so, so powerful in life. So that's that's really me at one level. And there's always all these nuances of ourselves. But that's really how I got to be here today talking to you. I love it. So, I mean, it, what I'm hearing, it, it all comes back to curiosity, right, for you and, and asking those questions and, and pulling on the strings. Hello, everyone. I first wanted to say thanks for being here, and I hope you're enjoying the show. I wanted to let you know if you're interested, I just launched the Better Questions newsletter designed to provide you with a consistent 15-minute opportunity to pause and think, because a pause leads to clarity and operating with intention where we all win and thrive. The newsletter is short, simple, and practical, providing with three quality reflective prompts and mental fitness twice a month. But as always, I'll adjust the frequency based on your feedback. Never forget, at any point, you are always one question away from a completely different life or outcome. You can sign up over at BehindTheHuman.com, which will also give you a free preview of my debut book, Personal Socrates. BehindTheHuman.com. Now back to the show. I'm curious though, you know, 
especially around that time when you, you came to some of those realizations and where you were contemplating, you know, leaving the corporate world and, and doing your own thing on the, on the wellness side or mindfulness, whatever we want to call it. Um, how soon or how long did it take? Cause at that time, cause even now it's kind of, it's not the easiest topic to bring no. up or you, it's, Mm-mm. we still have to dance a little bit with, with the topic. It's, I've definitely felt a shift from, um, not, you know, that things aren't just linked to retention or turnover. Like that was, you know, definitely a phase at one point where you would bring any of this work and you'd have to sell it for that. I feel like now where we are shifting for the most part to understanding that, well, if, if the minds aren't functioning, so the, the business isn't either, frankly, right. I mean, that's right. And, and it, everything has to work uh, well together. So I'm just curious, like how you, how you got into, you know, setting up these leadership summits and even the podcast that we're, we're speaking on, like, how did that come to be? Well, and you are so right about how the evolution of this space early on, you had to ground it in data and research and science, which is good because it's all there. There's unbelievable data and research around this and all of our minds work differently. Some of us need evidence. We need science and others are like just ready to jump in for the adventure of it all. And so everyone's really different. But it's it's funny, and I think as we go through our lives, we have to find like and this sounds a little bit cliche, but it's super true, our authentic voice, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. for years, and I think this is very true in business, I would I'd be in these meetings and in these conversations, and there'd be like, okay, let's talk about the business. Okay, now let's talk about the people. And they were divided into two groups like, oh, what's our people plan? How are we going to do that with people? But now let's, let's get back to the business. And I actually had feedback at one time during my career, like, Kathy, you focus a little too much on the people. I need you to focus on the business and not the people. And I would scratch my head and I would say, you know, they're the same. The people actually are the business. So their ability to to thrive, to feel seen, to feel heard, to feel valued, to be invested in is what is actually going to create this amazing business that we have. And I understood to some degree what they were talking about, you know, with the, the various components. But I just was always perplexed by that. And then over time, I think I just got a little more bold. And I said, let me just let me just speak the truths that I really feel and try some of this out. And the feedback was always very, very positive. And so through all of that, I just kept doing more and more of that. And then as life finds us, you know, the CMO summit was actually the brainchild of, of one of that my former managers, his name is Brad Taylor. He's an incredible, incredible human. He's retired now from the company. But he came to me and said, hey, I have this idea. What if we did this? What if we brought all these people together? And he gave the the concept to me and said, what can you do with it? And it became this amazing, beautiful emergence. So Mm. I think sometimes, Mark, you know, as I think about this talking to you, it's how do we play this sweet spot between being visionary and intentional about what we want to create 
but also just being in the flow of what comes to us sure and let it like emerge and create from there i think that's part of it you know how do we yeah. kind of surf surf it right i like the surfing con- cuz it, it it does even in my own work with teams i think once people feel it or experience the you know any type of mindfulness or mental fitness whatever it, i just did it actually ironically with with my old company novartis i just led them through very basic breath work and i was like this is going might be a little bit of a stretch but at the end it's like oh that breath work was really grounding I'm like, okay so we're going to do more of that actually next week but it's just once you know i i feel like had i come in pitching we're going to do breath work then we're going to do some journaling on these prompts you know it, it might have been a harder you know seller or harder to get no behind question. like oh, no, i don't know no it's a, right but it just I, it's it's a bit sneaky but <laughs> basically coming into it like hey let's we're we're going to we're going to think about some good questions everyone's minds are so overwhelmed right now you know how do we just release some of that um i just heard a great quote from Quincy Jones a, a new book he he's got out called 12 notes and he called it mental pollution mm-hmm. how do we blow out some of that yeah. mental pollution and then on my side just replace it with some you know some priming practices and really get people in a, in a state where Okay, well then now we can actually think about some of those questions like where are we playing it safe if you want to link it back to the business or what are we pretending not to know because then we can we can we can actually see the answers. Absolutely. Okay, so Mark, I I I just have to take this moment to pivot into your book because we were talking before we hit record and I have this stack of books on my nightstand and I want to read them all, but then I have all these back-to-back Zoom meetings and then taking care of my boys and just life. Life. (laughs) So your life, life. So your book, so you sent me your book and I like dug into it and I, it's thank you for this book because it, you do this beautiful job of taking the profiles of these amazing people that you've either directly interviewed or learned about and you create profiles onto how they they got how they did what they did and then what was like the the you 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 create the essence of the final thought like what do they actually do and the book covers so many different pieces of wisdom i honestly believe you could read your book and gain the wisdom of a lot of the books that I have stacked up on my my nightstand. So it's Thank a, you. I it's a beautiful book, and the name Personal Socrates. How did that name come about? There's a, there's a bit of story behind that one actually, because originally, I remember I was talking to the to the now publisher Baron Fig, the owner of the company Joey, and I had known him from before when I left. The, the corporate world and started a, a journaling app, essentially. That's how the, the relationship was formed. And I was, we were on the phone just catching up and I was explaining this concept for the book. And I was right to the point where the next step was to actually put together a whole book publishing proposal and start shopping it around or make the decision to go full on self-publishing. And what I ended up doing was kind of right in the middle with, with Baron Fig. And as we were talking about it and just the flow of questions and I said, like, I've been studying these questions for years. And for me, I pull the, the, the you know, I pull the questions from the knowledge and so forth and ask the follow-ups and so forth. And Joey was like, oh, so the Socratic method. And I'm like, 
Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> you know, I I know of the Socratic method, like kind of everyone else does at a probably more of a surface level, unless mm-hmm. you went to law school. Um, and we're what I have now found out we're tortured with the Socratic method. <laughs> so it's it's funny to have Pretty those lawyers out there. They're going to yes. like tune out when they hear Socratic. Pretty method. much. <laughs> uh, pretty much. And then we, we so we just continue the conversation. And, and, and I remember Joey saying, he's like, you should really call this because it's like having Socrates with you. But your your own Socrates it should be personal Socrates. Mm. And my my response was absolutely not. There's no way I am. I am not. I'm not writing a philosophy book. I am not a philosopher. My best friend uh, went to law school. I was on the receiving end of that Socratic questioning many times while he was going through it. And I'm like, it just it doesn't work until I started to really research Socrates and the Socratic method. And I just my mind was blown because what, what surfaced for me was Here's here's some here's some guy, some philosopher that literally, you know, was around at the beginning of time almost, and in this method is still here to this day. You know, for sure it's on, you know, it's being used uh, in in more detail except for, for lawyers for the most part, but every one of us has has some sort of Socratic method playing mm-hmm. out day in and day, uh, day in and day out. We're just not intentional about it for the most part. We're, yeah. we're not thinking about it. So that's when I became curious. Well, then how? Clearly, the, the method works. It stood the test of time. How can we modernize this so that we're not, you know, we don't have to give it too much thought, but we can apply it mm-hmm. in, in life without having to think of all the different question types and things like that. So that's how it all came to be. And I, I mean, again, grateful for for these serendipitous moments because uh, I was a a strong no on that title for (laughs) for some time, but now it it really feels, it feels right. It is. I think it feels perfect for the way the book unfolds because at the heart of it, it's about asking questions. And I think for our listeners, it's like, okay, well, yeah, of course I ask questions all the time. But one of the things when I was reading your backstory that really made the difference for you was the journaling to let the questions go deeper and kind of go down the trails. It's not just the yes, no, immediate, but the the like voyage of discovery. So talk a little bit, because I mean, the your journaling was the whole essence of why you wanted to move that to the digital platform. But why do you think journaling is so powerful? Well, because for, for me, journaling, like even in the business context, like if you think about when, you know, you're going through big st- strategy phases or whatever, whatever you call it in your organization, there's in normal times, like an offsite, like pull you out of, of the regular environment so that things are a bit different and do everything possible to create more space for thought, right? Mm-hmm. And when you think of journaling, for, at least for me, the, the first step is to just let go any past definitions that you have of what journaling is. Because I used to get all kinds of things like, oh, no, like I'm not writing about like the boy or the girl at school or whatever like that. <laughs> you know, and there's not not that there's anything wrong with that, but right, that's right. not how I was using it. But the practice behind journaling is just reflection. Mm-hmm. And we all reflect. But we often reflect at the surface. Right. And it's not our fault. I mean, it's just just walking out of your house there. Everything is on autopilot and we're yeah. moving so fast. And it's, it's overwhelming so, so much. Yeah. 
and it's just okay you know even for a new project like okay i've got to open the po or do this do that and like there's a there's a sequence of steps that we're, mm -hmm. we've trained ourselves to do what what has been lost that i find is the moment of just slowing down and thinking and then that's where the questions help because the questions give us the luxury of the pause and if you continue down the socratic method of okay i started there i asked the big question like let's use the biggest one of them all who am i right okay well if this this is who i am right now is that the person i want you know is that the person i'm striving to be like where's the gap usually we're always trying to progress in some mm -hmm. some case it's not it's not about self-judgment or anything like that but then okay well if i want to be at this place well then you know, what do I need to do next? Like, do my actions and, and, and behaviors support the person I'm trying to be? Am I climbing the right mountain? You know, just a million different questions, obviously. But it's just, we don't, we don't get to that clarity unless we slow, slow down or we hit a massive wall. Yeah. And those are the things that, I mean, I hit some of those walls and if, if sure, just like you have interviewed a ton of people that have hit those big life pivoty moments oh, yeah. that, you know, there's value in there, but at the same time, it doesn't have to be so crazy of a, of a wall. If we slowly, you know, take some time to think and ask some of these questions, whether personally or professionally, because the answers are there. So I want to talk about slowing down and yes. here's my question for you that I think has been very hard to reconcile in all my time that I've been diving into this type of work. So we have various speakers come to the Compassion Lab and talk about mental fitness dynamics, everything from resilience to, mm -hmm. to presence, to um, managing overwhelm and, you know, all these things, managing your energy. And so people come to the call and it's the same thing where they're like, I know, I know, I know, but I don't do it. And we already talked yeah. about the fact that, you know, we had to, you have to kind of sell this work at the beginning with data and numbers and what happens in neuroscience in your brain. And you do all of that, right? But people can see the neuroscience. People can know, like see from you and your practices, from the people you outline in your book and see like, wow, if I do X why is going to happen? Cause and effect. There's a linkage here. Yeah. Yet they don't do it. Why do you think that is? I think it's because either we set ourselves up to fail in the sense that we try to go too big, mm. you know, like, oh, okay, this is great. I can do this. I'm going to do an hour each morning for the next week and you're going to feel those benefits, but then life is going to happen again. Life happens. And yeah. Right. And then all of a sudden the consistency drops and then it's, it's gone. Right. Versus, and I mean, you're kind of bringing this out of me. I, I never reflected on this before, but thinking of how my practices even started, you know, almost, I guess, 15 years ago now, it was 10 minutes. And the reason it was 10 minutes was well, like, I have to, I can do 10 minutes. If I don't have 10 minutes, Tony Robbins says this, if you don't have 10 minutes, you don't have a life. <laughs> he's, right. he's quite harsh with it. But I mean, especially if those 10 minutes literally can predict the, the rest of your day, right? Day. So, so start small. And the other big thing, I think, and this is what I try to, to help teams with or, or individuals is to really think about, especially at the beginning, not to completely rock your routine, like do an assessment of what the average from 
from the moment the the moment you wake up to the the moment your head hits the pillow to go to sleep like do an assessment of what that day on average looks like and see where the moments are where you can stack in uh, whether it's a little bit of journaling or even just take two breaths mm -hmm. I interviewed Michael Gervais uh, yesterday yesterday from he's a sports psychologist working with the Seattle Seahawks and Microsoft and all these different organizations he has a 90 second morning routine and 90 seconds 90 seconds but it just it sets the course and and all it is is two big deep slow breaths and then he dives into one thing that he's grateful for but not not just the surface level like yeah I'm grateful for my family I'm grateful for my safety my house like it's easy to fall into that loop he picks one thing and then he feels it closes mm. his eyes and goes to the emotion and that's awesome right so I guess the, the, the point I'm trying to share is to, is to take a look at what you're already doing and seeing like when your coffee's brewing or your tea's mm -hmm. steeping to maybe that's where you can take a couple breaths and just be, you know, be, be present with yourself or ask some questions like, how do I feel today? One word. And if it's stressed or overwhelmed, well, where do you, where do I feel that? It's my chest. Well, then usually then there's a, well, why? Like what's, what's sparking that, right? Because the thing is, whether you ask the question or not, that emotion is coming with you in the day, it and yep, right? It and it's gonna affect the whole day, it's gonna affect how you're thinking, it's gonna affect mm -hmm. the people around you. So, you know, why not take a few seconds to just check in and often just acknowledging how we are feeling releases that emotion, and at least helps us diagnose what, what, what might be causing some stress. And, and then we can decide, hey, well, how do I want to show up today? One yeah. word, right? Just yeah. small things. Well, and I love what you just said, because I do think a lot of us, whether it's exercise, you know, our body, we think, oh, it's got to be an hour. And if mm -hmm. I don't have an hour, I'm going to do nothing. And I think that that being able to do it in increments is a very, very powerful thing yeah. that we should all do because it is overwhelming. I mean, it's, I was laughing with someone the other day. I was like, who's got time to work? Yeah. I've got to meditate. I got to exercise. <laughs> I got to, you know, walk the dog. I got to do, you know, it's just unbelievable. Yeah. But our emotions are also, they're like triggers and hence. So if you ask yourself, how am I feeling? And let's say what comes up is I'm feeling sad or depressed or anxious. It's like, wow, what, where's that coming from? Like go a little bit deeper into yeah. that inquiry of why am I feeling that way? Because there might be something that needs your attention. And we, yeah. our society is so busy numbing out like, oh, wow, I feel anxiety. Let me go eat something. Let me go mm -hmm. um, turn on YouTube. Let me yeah. do something so that I don't feel what I feel versus, hmm, why might I feel this way? And what might I learn going back into what you live into the inquiry of what's going on, right? Exactly. But we, we numb out until we can't numb out anymore. Cause then there comes a point and that's where those walls are hit or physical, you know, disease starts to show up, right? Yeah. Like the, 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 the easiest way to think about this without going to like a, a severe chronic illness of some sort is just, 
you know, when, you're, when your shoulders all of a sudden start to feel tight or your neck is tight and you, usually the, the conversation is like, oh, I need a massage or do you, I need to stretch or something. Mm -hmm. Usually that is some sort of mental tension that's been building up and we don't even notice it, right? Because yeah. we're going all out, all out. So for me, and I, I, this is where I, I'd love to know like what you're doing for, for your personal, like some of your non-negotiable practices. But for me, this is where the mental fitness gives us the self-awareness to, to just to feel that for one thing like okay i'm back to back with meetings i have no pauses in between and or i do and i'm just blowing you know i'm cramming through emails until the, till the next conversation like this is all real stuff i mean i do it as well yeah. but if you can catch yourself and then come to the realization that you know what maybe i'll just block some time to do that kind of work and instead of going from back to back have some time there to process yeah because now you start seeing oh well there's the idea like there's the next step you're not blocked anymore because you've allowed your mind to work some magic right yeah so it's just anyway all these practices at least for me um just help pull pull me off the autopilot Mm -hmm. and and just re reset or refocus or come back to okay this is why i'm doing this for example yeah so so yeah, yeah so like what are some of your uh what, what are some of your staples like back in the day when we used to travel and if you're in a hotel room <laughs> yeah. like what are you for sure doing before you're going down to the meeting yeah well you know i mentioned you know my health scare at 29 and that really launched me into some different physical practices, you know, into yeah. more yoga, more breath, things like that. But I actually didn't start a meditation practice until it's probably been about 12 years, 11 or 12 years that I've done that. And that is definitely an evolution mm. because, you know, people try it and they're like, oh, I can't do it. My mind's too busy. And of course you have to learn that it is about becoming the observer. You're not going to just sit down and quiet your mind. Your mind yeah. does what it does. But when you watch it, it's like, wow, that's interesting. Where did that come from? And, yeah. and not attached to those things. But what I had to learn over time was to take my meditation off the cushion and into life because I could be totally relaxed and peaceful. And then I would start the day and something would happen, whether it was through my kids or something at work would happen and I would get triggered and we all get triggered mm -hmm. and it would be like, wow, how do I create space at that moment? Which a lot of teachers talk about that, right? That space between yeah. trigger and response is where all of your power and all of your agency is. So for me, the, the actual time in meditation is equipping me for all the time off the cushion yes. to be in my life. And because we're human, I have times when that space between trigger and reaction is really short and I react versus respond mm -hmm. and I don't handle it the way I wanted to. And there's all kinds of reasons, our stress levels or whatever, but I always revisit that like, wow, what happened there? What was going so on with important. me? What needs, what do I need to take a look at today? Maybe, oh my gosh, I've been pushing too hard and it's showing up in my interactions. So it's, for me, it's constant observation, but compassionately. And I talk about this in the lab, 
you cannot handle something well. We all have those days. And your self-talk can be like, wow, what was that about? I'm really curious. Like, how did I, how did I get spun, spun out so quickly? Like, what's going on? That's one way to react. What, what do most of us do? Oh my gosh, you know, I'm such an idiot. Why did I do that? You know, gosh, and you, you feel really bad about yourself. Mm-hmm. But the compassion for self and others is to know we're all trying to do our best. And some days our best is better than other days. But if we're learning from it, that's that and owning it, that's the whole point. So yeah. those are really my practices is, is the meditation, certainly physical exercise. I actually believe your physicality and how you take care of your body, it's all oh, yeah. interlinked with your emotions. So I'm always trying to build energy release through exercise and, and, yeah. and somatic work, but then really being that observer all the time. And there's something that I tell people all the time at work that is one of my core practices, and it's really setting your compass. And I share this with my team. What are your three core values that you want to live by? And there's a lot of different values, but what are the things that are front and center for you? What's really funny about this, I established this years ago and I established three values and mine are equanimity, presence, and truth. But I'll tell you like within this last year, whenever I've like, oh, let me think about my values. I could always remember equanimity and presence, but I was always forgetting like, what's that third one. And then I thought, well, if I can't remember it, I don't think I'm doing a very good job. <laughs> and then I realized that not that truth isn't important to me, but the third one was really curiosity and wonder yeah. that because that's what kept coming up more than truth, even though truth is a big part of it. And I mentioned the compass because after every interaction, I will say, was I present? Did I practice equanimity, which is this acceptance of whatever the interaction brings? Sometimes it's bad news. Sometimes it's difficult things. Sometimes it's joyful. Was I even? And then was I curious? Mm-hmm. And so if you, and you can do that through journaling or you can just do that, you know, in your head. But I think that that's been wonderful as a way to actually be that observer, but give more texture to the observation to say, am I showing up the way I'd like to show up? Yeah. Um, so those are really the things that I keep going back to. So powerful. Now, and now I also know why we're vibing so well together. Cause I mean, my, <laughs> my three, if I had to list them out would be curious, uh, joyful, mm-hmm. uh, and just choosing to default on a smile or joy or happy. Uh, and then presence. So <laughs> yeah, and yes, and and you live that joy because when I first you're you're so upbeat, you know, and just when first meeting you, you're so so upbeat. And if you do live, and I always tell people when you choose those, go to the s not only of what you want to be, but the essence of who you feel like you truly are, because you're when we decide how we want to show up, it's being more of who we are. It's not yeah. manufacturing something. It's not, sure. it's not like, oh, I'm I want to be who Mark is. And Mark says, I want to be who Kath. No, you're what you want to be more of who Mark is, and I want to be more of who I am. And everyone is developing that essence. But it's so amazing when you're out of your center and you really see it. But there's so much gold there when mm-hmm. you 
do make your mistakes and you react and you you're in your humanness and it's super messy and you're super mad or whatever happened. That's awesome because no one wants to be around someone who is totally perfect and in control and chill all the time because it's almost annoying. (laughs) You have to remember that we're human. So when we do lose it, like, oh, I would just tell everyone listening to this conversation, like that is, there's so much, so much there to work with, to figure out what, what's causing that and what you need to nurture and look at. It's a beautiful process, like trust the process, right? Well, and it's just the, yeah, I love, I love what you're saying about that. It's, 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 to me, it's just taking a different perspective to life and, and the journey, right? And to your point, yeah, trust, trust the, trust the journey, trust the process, but also, you know, like I'm, I'm definitely not always, uh, this, this like bundle of energy and, and, and joy, joyful and happy and whatnot. I work on it. I definitely work at it. And I feel the extremes of when I slip out of that. And thankfully for, because of the practices, there's, you know, there's, there's immediate tools that I know I can flip back into a, more of a state of, of, of joy and, and creation and whatnot. Yeah. Um, and, you know, not, not, not masking emotions, like acknowledging that they're there, processing them, but then, then come out of that, right? So yeah. that, you know, I could do, can do my work. I have a qu- question for you. Yeah. I have to ask you this one. Yeah. You, I mean, you yourself have been an uh, incredible leader over the years and have worked with so many and, and interviewed so many. Like for you, what makes, what makes a mentally fit leader in your opinion? Oh, I love that question, Mark. Um, and I'm going to, two comments on it. One, just to set the tone for my answer too. One of my missions, my passions in this life is what I would call conscious leaders, conscious leadership, Mm -hmm. not only in my own practice and, but in how do we cultivate that across the leadership domain, because leaders, we're all leaders. We all have, we're an ecosystem and we impact each other through our choices. So it doesn't matter if you're a leader by title or if you're an influencer within your friendship group, everybody is leading, Yeah. but you have a ripple effect. So if you're a leader in business and you're creating a culture, you are, you have an impact that radiates out. And again, everyone does, but, but from a business lens, you know, the CEO of your company or the leader of your group has an absolute effect on what's happening there. So there's all this inner work. So a, a mentally fit leader is a leader that is willing and has the courage to be relentless about their inner work. And it is not perfection and it is not having all the answers ever. That's typically what you know a narcissistic leader might yeah. look more that way. A mentally fit leader consistently asks the questions of themselves and is leading with compassion for self and others so that when they're wrong, they admit it, they learn from it. They're also working to cultivate the consciousness of those they work with because you and I have already covered the fact that this can get a little weird with people when you start talking about these spaces, but here's just the facts. We come into our work, our relationships as whole beings with everything that has ever happened to us. 
our traumas, our fears, our strengths, our belief systems, right? Everything. When you talked about your four-week training, there's we are indoctrinated into systems. Like we go to school and we're told this is how you behave and you get trained. Trained. Think about what being trained so really means. Now we understand the reasons for all that, you know, this is the way we do it. There's, there's a, there's a process and a practice that we all need to follow so that there's not complete chaos. Yeah. <laughs> but beyond that, we have to keep staying in inquiry. And it, that is the fundamental of our conversation today is this idea of asking questions and being an in inquiry. And if you stay in inquiry with your own self and your own growth and your own vulnerability, then you're modeling that for others. You know, just like you were modeled the morning questions, you know, we're modeling for our kids, we're modeling for our teams, we're modeling for our friends. And that's the work. And you never arrive. You never yeah. arrive. Like you and I are, these practices are to help us on the road, but, you know, hopefully we'll be learning and having aha moments our whole lives. For sure. I resonate with that. I mean, there's 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 an excitement to it, right? Of of, I think, and there was a, a moment in my life where this pivoted because it wasn't always like this, but of actually being excited for the unknown versus fearing the unknown. Yeah. Right. And once once that flip can be made, and everyone has different experiences to to getting there, it just it just lightens a mental pressure, but just lightens life in general. And and for me, it allows to, allows myself to be a little bit more joyful and and excited about, well, who, let's see where this goes. I mean, yeah. it, it, it could be, it, it could be nothing or it could be the, the greatest, you know, opportunity of, of a lifetime. But one thing I do know is I'll never know if I don't try. Right. And, you know, I just, I You'll wish, never I, know. yeah, I, never I just, know. I wish we could all just, you know, adopt that, that thinking as, as much as possible. Cause it just rewards. It's a, it's a, beautiful loop that continues to reward because you learn as long as you're learning right you're as long as you're learning and again i i don't know i'm on a bit of a tony Rog robbins kick because i i wrote a bonus profile actually or a chapter on him recently it's uh by the time people listen to this it'll be out but a lot of what 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 he says as well is just happiness happiness equals progress mm -hmm. you know when we feel like we're making progress you know that's that's the true you know, definition of, of feeling good and joyful and happy and whatnot. And yeah. I mean, that makes sense to me. Well, and I, I mentioned a little while ago about trusting the process and because it is a, it is progress is a process and it means we're going to fail and we're going to have times when we're out of sorts. And we're also going to have times when we feel super aligned mm -hmm. in our power. So all of it, all of it is welcome, but you said something really important and you talked about, you know, this whole idea of fear, you know, and the fear that that stops so many of us from taking action. And we also, you know, we've touched on that there are common themes and presence is a theme, but the other theme I've heard, whether it's spiritual teachers or whether it's, you know, somebody else that um, is just talking about mental fitness it's that you get to choose between love and fear. Yes. You get to choose every minute between love and fear because fear is powerful in shutting down 
our creativity because we are creators. We are here to create and creation is messy and Mm -hmm. you have to allow it to emerge and maybe you go down different trails before you arrive, but it's a part of it. And if we never start that, if you never started writing your book, if you said, oh, what if it's not accepted? What if people don't like it? Oh, this has all been said before, then it wouldn't exist. And I will tell you, it needs to exist because it's amazing. And so this it's such an important choice. Yeah. Well, and this is what, this is what lights me up so much about this kind of work is if, especially on my side with the questions is, yeah, and you've probably saw the line on the back of the book, like we're all one question away from a completely different life at, at any point. And I mean, that's kind of grandiose, but we're always one question away from a different mood or mindset. And especially when fear comes up, I mean, all you need is a, a quick gratitude question to pause yeah. that, that loop to reset. Yeah. So for that's why, like, that's what lights me up about the work because it's so accessible. If we just meet people where they're at, the right narrative that like, ah, okay, I get that. Like I can try that. Yeah. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So we could talk, I think for hours uh, and hours on end. Um, but I want to be really mindful of your time. And I want to, I want to ask you, um, one other kind of closing question, and you'll probably have a closing question for me. Yes. You have curated really amazing stuff and you've talked to all these powerful, um, accomplished people. So you probably, it's probably impossible to, to put this into one thing, but is there a piece of wisdom? Is, is there a moment in these conversations that was a real game changer for you? Like that we could share like an aha, like this, man, this was a big one for me. And I know there's a lot, but what comes to mind? on the wisdom you've gained? For me, what what immediately surfaces is, and it's linked to presence, but it's that 100% of the people that I've interviewed do something that works for them to still their mind. Yeah. Right? And, you know, maybe it's not this crazy aha moment, but for me, it has been a, a constant reminder of even when the day is busy and there's a lot going on, you know what? I'm going to take a 10 minute walk after lunch with nothing in my ears. And that's the, the stillness of my mind. If, if that's all I can get, then that, that's great. That 10 minutes is going to go exponential in terms of the, the benefits. So for me, yeah. it's just always being constantly reminded that that's where the magic is. That's where the answers surface. That's when the, and most importantly, the other questions surface as well because we can just, we, we can, we settle the fog, you know, yeah. in, in stillness. And, and it's just a beautiful thing once, when, when you start to experience that day in, day out. So, yeah. yeah. That's beautiful. Space, 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 space. space. Yeah. Well, my last question for you, Kathy, is just what makes you smile each day? Well, that one is easy. So, I think from all the people we've talked to, gratitude practice is huge. And I know people have heard about gratitude practice, but what I would answer that question with is the simple joys. You know, we love planning the big vacations Mm. or big moments or big achievements, but I was walking my dog this morning and I love spring, right? I'm walking the dog and the flowers are everywhere. I just so many flowers. And I live in California. It's so beautiful. And 
these two butterflies like flew right in front of me and they're just dancing together. Mm. And I just got to tell you, like, I'm walking the dog, you know, I'm not in Hawaii. I'm not, you know, winning an award. I'm walking my dog. And it was beautiful. And when you're present, we've talked about being present a lot. You can see like, wow, look at that. Look at the flowers. Look at the butterflies. Look at the, how the sun on my shoulders is what a beautiful day. And that brings me joy, you know, moments with my kids where we connect Um, so many little things, you know, my morning coffee, it's just, Mm -hmm. it's not big stuff. It's simple, simple joys that add up to a lot, especially when we're living in kind of the heaviness that we live in these days, you know? So we have to remember that there's lots to, to be grateful for in between. That there is beautiful, beautiful. So thank you. I seriously, I hope I'd love to do this again. If you're game, Um, because I know there's more to talk about and I just, I appreciate your joy. I appreciate your gift to the world with your book. It is a gift and it's really, I've gotten so much out of it. And so thank you for the work that you do and for helping us all remember that we really are only one question away from changing our lives. So I'm just grateful for you. Yeah, right back at you, Kathy. I mean, well, we definitely have to do this again and pick a topic and just run with it. But I, I'd like to just send out a higher thank you as well for, well, A, for just making the time for this conversation. But then also for, you know, your 33 years in, in, in the corporate world and bringing these contest, concepts and modalities and just like a different way of thought and and whatnot to not just the, you know, the people at, at Coke, but the ripple effect that that's had on their families and other companies. I mean, that, that is a beautiful thing. So thank you for, for showing up and, and, you know, living the authentic you. Well, thanks Mark. And I was talking to a friend just yesterday, a friend and a teacher, and she said something to me that really um, stuck. She said, you know, we're all a part of a group. We're all connected. And the question we need to ask ourselves is, am I pulling my weight? Mm. You know, you don't have to be single-handedly change the world. Just are you pulling your weight? And I think that's the question we can all ask ourselves every day. Are we pulling our weight and just showing up, showing up to be the best that we can be? So thank you for showing up, Mark, and uh, to be continued for sure. Yeah, until next time. (laughs) Amazing. (laughs) 